Before we get started with the show, we just wanted to say we've launched a brand new podcast in the Eleven Media Network, hosted by our very own Sam Moore. Connection Interrupted is a weekly show interviewing some very special guests whose lives were disrupted and the role that technology played in helping them get back on track. Search for it now, Connection Interrupted, on iTunes. Go do it. Welcome to another edition of Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Sam Mall, the managing partner of 11FS North America. In this episode, I had the chance to catch up with Amber Balde, an executive director at JP Morgan and their program lead for their Blockchain Center of Excellence. Amber leads the team at JP Morgan that's developing Quorum, the open source code based on Ethereum that's designed to address the specific challenges of blockchain technology adoption within the financial services industry. Quorum, um, we actually pulled the name from Quorum Chain, which was the consensus algo that Jeff Wilkie and Ethlab created yeah. for the initial launch of Quorum. Yeah. So how is that going? That's, a, that's an incredibly wide open question, right? But, but if you were to look back at, at the lifespan of it, how are you feeling? You feel pretty good about Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I think it's been an amazing feat to open source a code base like this from a highly regulated institution <laughs> to figure out you know, how to engage with the open source community and developers, how to get people excited about a project. Um, how to even take pull requests from the public. Yeah. Uh, you know, what happens when a central bank from somewhere else in the world asks to make a pull request of some code? Like, these are things that have never happened before. So, in a way, Quorum has certainly been a guinea pig project for what hopefully will be a much larger group of open source projects over the years um, that we'll create. So, this is an incredibly broad statement I'm about to make, but this is something I get really tired of, is hearing about how banks and we're generalizing like crazy but how banks don't understand fintech or they don't understand blockchain and yet you're given a great example right of the of the idea of we can do this we can do open source that tends to go across what most people would think this would be approached sure i think um i think banks get fintech they certainly at this point at least some people understand blockchain i think even in the blockchain space some people don't understand blockchain <laughs> you see me laughing right <laughs> um you know, the, the idea that, that banks don't get it is probably a little bit outdated, but um, in, in, the same, in the same turn, you get banks that say, well, fintechs don't understand the business. Yeah. They don't get the ins and outs and the underlying down in the weeds every day of what, we, what we're really managing and what we're really dealing with from when you, when you look at a business from end to end, it's, uh, it's easy to understand. And I probably, I'm, I'm guilty of this as well, but um, when we talk about trade finance as an example of something you want to solve on the blockchain, uh, it's, it's easy to say in a perfect world, if we snapped our fingers, the entire finance supply chain, um, physical supply chain or financial supply chain would be on the blockchain uh, tomorrow. But a lot of the proof of concepts we saw early on looked like you know, it was uh, somebody's master's thesis or you know, somebody who went to Wikipedia and Googled what is trade finance and then you create a prototype. So it's easy to dismiss things based on those examples, but the market has matured so quickly and we've seen, I don't want to call it a brain drain yet at this point, but certainly a bunch of people with a lot of experience from the industry who have been captured by this technology who are now going and uh, joining startups in the space. It's a lot harder to make that argument when you've got somebody who has 20 years of supply chain experience across the table from you now. Um, certainly the, the rate of evolution um, and the, the maturity of the products that we see now uh, is it, it's considerable. 
Yeah, I actually think you have an advantage too, a little bit, okay? And this is what I mean by that. When, when you work for Chase, when you work for JPMC like that, the scale of what they can operate in and all the different areas, right? You can, you, you, you are doing what is so important, right? It's that whole account, that's that proof of concept. Let's, let's test it, right? Let's, let's take the small chunks, work these out and see if it's actually applicable here. And if it's not, that's great, move on, right? But you can tap into the expertise. Whereas if it's outside that community, right? So if it's just a, 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 a blockchain only focused, having that subject matter expertise, that's tough. Sure, I, and you're exactly right. The approach that we're taking is businesses need to have a transformation agenda or a modernization agenda or a, what are the next steps here for the business. And sometimes that includes blockchain, but it doesn't necessarily have to. It's about figuring out what are the tools in your toolkit to solve a business problem and or to hopefully make the client's experience better when they interact with us. So what are the client's pain point in interacting with a specific business? Is it really settlement time? Is it really trade breaks? Is it really just reporting is painful? Um, is it that it would be better to um, be able to have more of a breadth of liquidity management tools? I mean, there's, there's any number of challenges or ways that we can approach making the client's life better. And only some of those are solved uh, with distributed ledger. So one of the things that was interesting when I was doing some research on you and watching some of the stuff is um, I went out to Reddit. So take a drink. I'm sorry. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sad enough that I go out to Reddit to look at stuff. But somebody did make a great observation. So when they looked at you know the fortunes 40 under 40, I'm sure you're dead tired of hearing about that. But but it was interesting that three folks from the Ethereum space, if you will, were there, right? So it was Vitalik, you, and Brian Armstrong. That's that's not bad, right? Especially when we talk about. We can sit here and, and, and we can go all day on all the different protocols and approaches to this, but to me that kind of validates what's happened with Ethereum. I mean, Vitalik obviously, you know, is co-creator of Ethereum. Makes My a lot son of is going as Vitalik for Halloween. Oh, really? You know, the, the shirt with the cat, the unicorn? Yeah. And I took his hair and I put it all up. He has no clue what this is, but I told him it's really cool. Okay. He's either Vitalik or Nyan Cat. And he's going to have a little accent and he's going to go on massive rants. It's going to be beautiful. And he's going to be entirely neutral and welcoming to different ideas because I think that's, that's yes. part of Vitalik's yeah, ethos. Brian, of course, creating Coinbase was initially more uh, Bitcoin focused, but I think he said at this point he holds more Ether, but they're also doing some projects with um, creating interesting uh, dApps that use Uport and all this other kind of stuff. So uh, they're definitely focusing or looking at Ethereum. Uh, and then I guess I represent the more enterprisey kind of Ethereum or blockchain. Um, contingent. So yeah, I thought th I thought that was really interesting, um, but you know, I had no hand in selecting that. So I guess we'd have to ask the <laughs> ask the curators of the list what they what their goals were. Yeah, I don't I don't know how they put those lists together. I'd like there to be a fifty over fifty, but under fifty five, because I might like have a shot, of, uh, and I just don't see it happening. You have a quote I I love, and I'm going to start using this. Okay. All right. At least you're attributed to this quote, so just act like you said it. Actual adoption of projects is what we really need when it comes to blockchain right now. Yes. I mean, we need real working, not just prototypes, but uh, closer to production projects. There's, there's a fine balance between something that's been running in production so long that it's, it's sticky and difficult to maneuver, um, and something that is so early stage that it's difficult to ascertain what are the key success metrics and are you actually achieving what you're trying to achieve with the project. I think within enterprise and banking specifically, uh, we are relatively new to the idea of agile development and DevOps and all these things that are baked in to uh, 
quote unquote, you know, cloud native fintech kind of, of application. So I, sometimes I, I like to make fun of us in a way where we have an emerging technologies platform that includes cloud and API strategy. And I keep saying these things are not emerging technologies. They have emerged. <laughs> this is, yeah. At this point, this is just a, this is a modernization strategy. We just need to actually start using the tech everyone else is. Um, and so uh, in that way, we need real real projects and not just not just projects but use cases business applications that are solving real problems um, so that we can actually make a call uh, when we say it's okay if four out of five prototypes fail uh, what what is the success metric that you look at when you decide whether or not something is worth carrying forward what is what is the real business problem or pain point that we're trying to solve here and uh, in a much larger context from a blockchain perspective, blockchain shines when it really captures a full value chain. So um, end to end. End to end, yeah. yeah. Um, the more comprehensive the use case or the application is, the more it makes sense and you can see why you need a blockchain. Because you have from provenance through you know, follow-on derivatives or whatnot. But if you just say, what's the MVP, and let's start from post-trade settlement and just capture this tiny slice that we can see whether or not we want to continue with phase two, you'll always get someone who says, that's great, I'm glad it worked technically, but why did you need a blockchain to solve this? And the answer is almost always, well, you don't. <laughs> if Mark Hotstein was here, so the, the former um, senior editor at American Banker who's at uh, he CoinDesk He just moderated now. the panel that yes. I was on. So Mark... Every time, I was just sitting where you were, and he was sitting here talking to some folks from USAA, and they were talking about blockchain, they were talking about the insurance side. Every time you mention the word blockchain, I love where Mark starts. He goes, why can't I just use a database? Why does it have to be a blockchain? He actually could have that tattooed across his forehead. <laughs> so I, I, I mean, it, it does seem as an industry, we just, when I say we, um, some of those that can control the purse, swing, the purse strings kind of do do that, right? We just jump right to, I need a blockchain solution, I need an AI solution, when they have absolutely no clue what they're actually referring to. Mm -hmm. Well, it's when you're working with something like machine learning or AI or data science and analytics, um, you can look at a specific product or a specific data set and you can, uh, you're creating something, I don't want to say in a vacuum, but it's something that can be vertically integrated. You can solve something and see right away that you're getting actionable analytics out of it. You can do it without asking anybody else. You can provide a product to clients, get feedback from them. You can make all the changes. You're really the, the master of your destiny in that product. When you work with distributed ledger technology, it's as much about network coordination and understanding the marketplace uh, that will eventually use this sort of, of product as it is um, how well you understand the pain points or your success metrics or whatever it is that, that, that have you. Um, so you can get everyone at the table, but unless you can actually convince them that there's a reason to participate and incentivize everyone. In the same way, you know, it's, it's funny that even people thought that by working with permissioned blockchains that somehow we were removing the incentives problem. Uh, to need to 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 get people you know uh, excited right. to to work in the system, it doesn't remove the incentive problem at all. It just it just changes the sort of incentives that people need. So instead of just needing to be uh, you know paid for uh, your time uh, to validate blocks, for example, um, you need to be incentivized to need access to your counterparties. You want access to the liquidity of the market. You need um, you want to drive down your middle office costs. Uh, you want to 
completely revolutionize the way that you know cybersecurity or key management or encryption works within your institution. Uh, it's a completely different sort of incentivization model, but people don't do things just because altruistically they want to see if the tech works. There's got to be more to it than that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna hope I'm the first person to ever ask you this next question, okay? Sure. You, you, you took over as the blockchain lead for Chase to 2012? Is that about right? Uh, no, I, I, I guess it, it was 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay, so about three years in for this. I guess. So looking forward lifespan-wise, there come a point when you move on to something else? Um, or have you even had those thoughts because there's just so much happening within this space? Yeah, there's so much going on right now. Uh, there's so many things that I would like to achieve, not the least of which being actual production code. <laughs> Please, just to <laughs> shut some people up, <laughs> that would yeah. be nice. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of things to do before we wave victory, I think. Um, and, you know, I, I might lead the product and strategy um, for JPM, and I might be, our, I like to say I'm our Disney mascot of blockchain, uh, but there's an incredibly qualified and motivated team, both on the product side and the engineering side at JPM, um, that you know I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and it would continue on. No, that's a good point, by the way, um, because I've had some interesting conversations, say, around Ripple, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Stephen Thomas is, you know, he's ridiculously smart. And, and you do say, you pray to God he doesn't get hit by a bus, right? Vitalik, the same way, right? I mean, we do have some, um, and, I and I include you in there, right? That's me sucking up right now. But we, we do, we have those folks, but it's so important to have that team behind you, right? I mean, that, that's reality. Yeah, I mean, cu in curating the team, you hopefully ensconce some of those ideals yeah. uh, in people so that they, they would hopefully carry thing for it, things forward in a way that you would have liked. <laughs> but <laughs> of nice. course, you, you don't know what they're, they're going to do um, if you weren't helping shape those decisions. Uh, but, you know, that the team is very forward thinking and it's really our job in the Blockchain Center of Excellence at JP Morgan to try to be ahead of the curve and to be disruptive and to, you know, ruffle a few feathers and to challenge people, you know, why does your business exist as it does today or um, what is money or what, why, why custody? <laughs> what is custody um, if we have blockchain technology in the future? And at first, I, there was certainly there's some organizational resistance. Um, and getting in the door and then there's people that are very excited to whiteboard things but then they're like great we whiteboarded this we're, we're done with it um, then there's other people that you know they just become captured by it and it's about creating that spark it's about scaling the ideas and the um, the the will to be transformative within the organization uh, we certainly can't do it alone and we certainly can't change a massive institution like J.P. Morgan Chase from a tiny office in Brooklyn. The best that we can do is to sit with people and get them to bring their expertise in and have them solve their own problems, but with this additional tools in their toolkit. And that's what we work to do. The Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Fintech innovation is changing the way we bank. And the speed we deploy new customer experiences is vital. Onboarding the right fintech partners can take months. Do you have time to lose? Introducing the Innovation Acceleration Platform from Temenos. Test fintech solutions at speed with real data straight from the core banking system. With a yearly subscription, you can begin testing the same day and create new customer experiences in no time. 
For more details, visit marketplace.terminos.com. And on that note, this wraps up another great interview show. A big thank you to Amber for coming and chatting with me at Money 2020. As always, if you want to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter at Fintech Insiders or on Facebook on our Fintech Insider page or on YouTube for exclusive content or email us at podcast at 11fs.com. If you like what you heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and please leave us a review on iTunes. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.